0: Hi,
1: my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast.
0: Welcome to Permaculture Smackdown. I hope everybody's having a wonderful week. Uh, my name is Josiah Wallingford, and today we have uh, Paul Wheaton. As always, every day we have Paul Wheaton. Uh, that, oh, there's that guy. Uh, Cliff and Michelle Ponder, the Ponder family. Hello,
2: guys. Welcome. I'm Cliff. Uh, she's Michelle. <laughs> and TJ Yoakum.
1: So, uh... Hello, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday don't ever, <laughs> Wow. Don't, don't ever turn your I microphone I on again.
2: Both have their mics on at the same time.
1: Okay, real quick, I want to I want to demonstrate something. I I have this long, long like 10 year long campaign against CFLs. And and so Cliff and Michelle happened to have one, <laughs> and we started this off and I said, "Why does it look like you guys are in prison? Turn turn the light on so people can see." it's like a special effect. It's like, like, uh, this is what it's like when we're in prison. And then if you want to get out of prison, all you got to do is, ta-da, and you're free again. Life
2: is good. But we need a second one so that I don't have this shadow back here.
1: The shadow can be your friend. Make that shadow your friend. Hello, shadow.
2: I'm like Peter Pan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me and my shadow, we go way back. <laughs> All
0: right, so today we want to talk about a couple of things. Um, really, it came down to like, hey, we should make a podcast, Paul. And then, and then it was like, why don't we just do this on SmackDown? So that's what we're doing. And uh,
1: Oh, right. I should, I need to kind of carve this up too because we're going to take the audio from this and put it into my podcast channel.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's why we're making the audio really shitty just for the podcast.
1: Right. And we're talking about. Look at that. Look at that. See. And okay. All right. All right. Yeah. uh, Hello, pod people. Um, <laughs> I I hope that uh, you like what we're going to do. Actually, we're gonna. There is some really powerful stuff we're going to talk about um, today. There's there's three big topics, and of course, as as always, we'll turn it into twenty topics. Um, but the three topics that I'm hoping that we're gonna cover are gonna be because we've got uh, uh two and a half people from the boot camp program. And so and I'm sorry, Michelle, I'm counting you as half because <laughs> you're kinda like you're you were here the whole time that Cliff was here and you did a bunch of stuff, but Cliff was technically the boot. And so yeah. we got and then Tuesday's here, so we got three three people, two and a half people, three people from the boot camp program. And then um, all of you were here during all of the PDC and ATC last year. Um, I don't think I mean I, I think a whole different podcast would be to talk about all the different I mean a PDC is a very standard PDC, and so it went very PDC like. Um, uh, with the exception, of course, there was some silliness that was like, what the hell is that all about?" that you know, but uh, the ATC, created a bunch of artifacts and each appropriate technology course that we have here will have to create different artifacts we can't just create the same things over and over again and so i think that there was some very fascinating stuff that came from the atc this year and uh, but that would have to be a whole different podcast i mean that would take a good hour or two just to talk about all the things that were built and why would we build them and why would we call them appropriate technology So, I guess it's going to be touching on to the PDC, touching on to the ATC, touching on to the the boot camp program, Um, and then all of that leads up into uh, the whole thing about there's a Kickstarter going on right now, and so uh, the two of you met Josiah, in fact, all of you met, well, except for... Uh, Michelle and Cliff, you guys kinda seem to come as a package. Like, right. you knew each other before you got here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And see, you even had kids and stuff, like, that suggests you've known each other a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, by the way, where are the boys? Did you duct tape them to something? Did you yes, turn them outside yes. to go, uh, trolling for mountain lions? We bribed them with Garfield to stay quiet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I've, I've got a lot more uh, soundproofing around my office now, thanks to Michelle, um, which is thanks to uh, indirectly to the boys. Because, <laughs> because the next room over is where the boys had to try to kill each other about every two hours. Uh, and, and it's like, but once Michelle got done putting up all these fabric bits to kind of baffle the sound, then that reduced the sound probably 90%. Which is enough, <laughs> you it's know?
0: Just flight murder in the background. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, killing me softly, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so, all right, all right. Uh, at the Kickstarter, so all you guys met at at these events, uh, and of course in the boot camp program, all this stuff, and then um, so Josiah, then you. Uh, got together with Cliff and Michelle, and Guy, you guys got this idea for a Kickstarter, because you're trying to do something where you're going to try and travel to all 50 states. Is it all 50 or 48?
0: Uh, it's all, the lower 48 is the primary, and then we would also like to do Alaska, possibly Hawaii, or <laughs> I don't really care about it that much, but... You there's know, some cool stuff in Hawaii. That, oh,
1: now we're going to get all kinds of crap from Hawaii. <laughs> oh, I don't care about that much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Something
1: like that. <clears throat>
3: all
0: right. There's, no, there's some beautiful stuff in Hawaii that I would love to do and see. It's just logistically... Fuck that! <laughs> I just don't want to do it. Um, but there are some great things in Wyoming, so maybe we will. Maybe we will. We'll see. If we do, it'll probably be one of the last states we do.
1: So, and and uh, and you guys did a thing with your Kickstarter where uh, you asked for my advice. And then normally, what people do when they ask for my advice is they say, "Paul is such a fucking idiot." I'm not going to do anything he says. But you guys did the opposite of that. You you did the thing where it's like I'm going to actually believe what Paul has to say and uh and implement it. Now, now your kickstarter's doing really poorly. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's what I did. Really. I'm sure that's what it is. Uh,
0: no, I, mean, I think uh, well all right. So first of all, uh let's, are we going to you want to dive into the kickstarter right away or do you want to No, no, no. I want to I want to get to the kickstarter th-
1: 3rd out
0: okay. of seven. So, gate so last year you had the PDC ATC, now one thing that's awesome about well done PDCs and ATCs, on site PDCs, where people are traveling from all over the place, is the connections you get to make, you get to meet all kinds of, you get to meet instructors and other people that are doing very interesting things in our field um, or just in general they're just interesting people in life and uh, and Three of those big connections for me was Cliff and Michelle on Tuesday uh, that I met at your PDC-ATC poll. And uh, <clears throat> from now, Cliff and Michelle, you guys, uh, so I have a past with uh, uh, the Survival Podcast with Jack Spirico. You guys were listeners of that as well,
2: correct? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of how
0: you got into this? Yeah. Is, that, is that how you found Paul?
2: Yeah. I'm yeah. an expert. How I heard of, first heard of permaculture and, uh, yeah. so.
1: I'm yeah. on the expert council.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. I'm apparently down. an expert at something. <laughs> at being really big, that's what I'm an expert at.
0: I, I would say a lot of people consider you an expert. Especially with all the, uh, summits you do and shows, uh, talks you do and Ted talk and all that crap. Not crap. stuff. Uh all right, so anyway, the, the PDC and ATC great experience. Uh, I hope you guys can go to one. Uh, and actually, Paul, you have one you can it's coming up real soon, right?
1: Um, we've got the peasant PDC coming up uh, in May, and then we've got uh, the home center PDC, which is a very which is the formal PDC, which is in June and it's immediately followed by the appropriate technology course. And so the
0: the peasant PDC is like an affordable PDC, but it's a lot longer, right? Something like that. Right,
1: right. It's uh it's less than half the cost um and it's about twice the length. But the thing is is that the peasant PDC is more of a hands-on kind of a thing. Um and uh, uh I don't know, it's a, it's I mean, one of the things is, is a lot of times you go to a PDC and you you kind of get this whole feeling of like, this is the most awesome thing I've ever experienced in all of my life and I wish it could last forever. And so I think a lot of people, they experience that and then they, and then they choose to uh, sign up for, there's, I've heard of PDCs that are three months long. Oh. And it, of course, they're loaded with a lot of natural building and stuff like that, which by the way, before we start talking about the PDC, i th- I think it'd be good to talk about the boot camp program, which speaking of you know getting together a bunch of other people for for a really long time um i mean I'm I'm Sorry. Oh, yeah.
0: Sorry.
1: <laughs> yes, slap that computer, yeah. stop it, shut up, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> But, uh, so, let's see, I think, Cliff and Michelle, you guys arrived earlier than Tuesday did. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, and then I remember that you guys were from Texas, and I believe you had never seen snow before. Oh, no. No, we'd seen snow, but it doesn't snow where we lived. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So it was the boys who had never seen Snowball. Well,
4: no, they'd seen Snow. They'd seen Snow. What you, is all that, What am I?
1: <laughs> you just romanticized it. but yeah, uh, That's it. I, I thought that it was like, you guys were like, wow, wow, Snow, Snow. So, okay, all
2: right. I mean, they have that kind of excitement for it regardless.
1: Um, okay, all right. So you guys arrived, I was it like, the end of March or something like that, the end beginning of April? Yeah, the
2: very end of February, beginning of March, because it was right when the well broke. So we yeah. basically started right into Fred and I, uh,
1: in our attempts to fix it, made it worse for a little bit before we fixed it. Yeah, there was some excitement. And, and I think we covered it not only in the Permaculture Smackdown, but we covered it in uh, in my podcast as well. So so we don't need to go into all those details again, but but it was funny um, it was funnier if you're sitting in an office looking at the internet uh and not actually out there in the cold mud um <laughs> yes at least that's what i imagined because i was sitting in my office it was a little cold <laughs> and and then i just had to pay bills and stuff like uh well this new part that we got to get is like eighteen hundred (laughs) dollars so um it's like well then i better work harder to pay for
0: that so so cliff michelle and tuesday all came as part
1: of the boot camp program right yeah
0: and so um i'm interested in how cliff and michelle first how you guys found the boot camp program or what, what made you decide to do it that way or how'd that come about
4: well, I found, I found it online, and it was actually the Gapper program that first drew us. Um, I was looking for permaculture interns. Internships. Internships.
1: Oh, okay. So now yeah. we're very careful to not use the word intern. Uh, right. Sorry. No, no, you're looking for, for permaculture <laughs> internships. And it's kind of like this, this whole area of, like, uh, it, there's a legal definition for it, and while there's a big debate going on, then there's some uh, regulatory and taxing organizations that are like, we don't care about the debate. We're going to just pick something and run with it and then make people sad. And so we're kind of like, oh, we're going to avoid that word. And then so, in fact, nearly all of the words are something that um, – like people are uh, deciding to uh, uh, sink their regulatory teeth into, and so we're trying to dodge all those bullets. You know, like Neo from The Matrix. Um, and and uh, uh, so hence the word gapper. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that was yeah. We were kind of coming under. Uh, well, we weren't really sure what we were going to be doing. It was more like, well, let's just go and and find out and see what's going on and be part of stuff. And it was really early on, like in the first. I don't know, like two days, uh, that you kind of said, well, you know, there's this PDC coming up. Um, how about you basically be a boot and exchange for doing the PDC? Um, so we went not thinking we were going to be doing the PDC. We knew it was going to be coming up. Um, and we were thinking, well, it'll be cool just to be there on the property while it's happening. Um, but we weren't aren't going to be part of it. Um, but then you, you made that suggestion. So, So that was kind of what we ended up doing was going into the boot program and in trade for the PDC and and ATC.
1: So now I think the big thing that I'd like to hear from the two of you and from Tuesday um, is the idea of like during your time as a boot, how much of it was dirty jobs that you don't want to do versus like uh, natural building and permaculture and planting seeds and – uh, kind of like you know building experiences so Michelle goes first because she's the half
4: <laughs> I th- see I thought I would go last since I'm the half since <laughs> I only did a little bit of that
1: you're, you're the warm up act
4: <laughs> well I had to spend a lot of my time with the boys um, so that's why I'm the half and then um, well with the boys we did planting and um, we did junk pulling and um, a little bit of the of building the, the round timber balcony as well um, so we didn't do the extensive um, all the extensive things that boots do.
1: so I think I, I've got a picture of Brooks uh, and it's and it's labeled the biological cleaning system. <laughs> where he's got like a dustpan full of sawdust, and he's on the ground picking up little specks of dust. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, we just deploy him, and he cleans stuff. I mean, he cleans stuff poorly, but he does it better.
4: I they like got the really car. into all the projects. They didn't yeah. do it very well or for very long, but anything that the booths were doing, they really wanted to engage in.
0: Oh yeah, they were they were deep, deep in it. That was awesome. Uh, but I, I love how Michelle's like, yeah, we didn't do much. I mean, we only planted food for for people, and uh, <laughs> we we built a roundwood timber frame balcony and. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: just meant that our involvement wasn't as extensive as the boots. That's true. But you did I, kind of uh, That's what I'm getting
0: at is that it's like you think you didn't do much compared to what everybody else was doing, maybe, but you did a lot.
1: I think there's been about, since you guys have been gone, there's been six times or so that I've been outside, and it's it's kind of like, I wish the boys were here because then I would send them up on top of that berm and and they would, you know, and I'd say, go pull that napweed or something like that. And it would be gone in like three minutes. And, uh, but the only problem is, is that they might keep going and like, you know, <laughs> go to an area that I can't see them. And, and I don't know what they're pulling now. Right. No, no, that's not what you're supposed to pull. Well, I think at one point,
2: it wasn't Jocelyn giving them like a dime or something like that per
4: napweed, per
1: bucket. bucket or something. Yeah.
2: And napweed. It
4: was like a dollar a bucket.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah that sounds that sounds like just so um and then and then cliff uh I guess I guess the big thing I'd like to hear about is um you know of the time that you spent because of course, right out of the gate, you're working on fixing the well and mm-hmm. but you know you've got people with you, it's not just you by yourself right, so it's kind of a collective thing, and there's a certain level of education, but there's also a certain level of like you get to a point and you're thinking like, yeah, I think I've learned everything I want to ever learn about wells right now and so can i go home
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the, the well project would have been a lot more fun if it wasn't sub freezing if it wasn't snowing and getting soaking wet um because you know it was it was um, fred and lane and myself and we were fabricating tools it, it was it was problem solving which for me anyways is, is a lot of fun to sit there and figure that kind of stuff out um so that was right off the bat but then um from that you know, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of junk polling and that was again, still in really, there was still snow because I was up mostly up on the, uh, in the labs and um, it was starting to warm up, but in the, the forests there, there's still quite a bit of snow. So, you know, getting, getting wet through the course of hacking down junk polls, Um But again, I, you know, for me, I, I kind of enjoyed going off by myself and, and just uh, having a hatchet in my hand and lopping down little junk poles. Uh, and then we got into the balcony project, which kind of ended up, I, I think, uh, not going, it was supposed to be the candy and we kind of, everybody just got started on it despite your desire to do other things first. Uh, and that really took over a lot of the the time. So, which I had a blast doing the, uh, the balcony. Um, and I think I ended up doing a, a large portion of it because shortly after it got started, everybody that, you know, Bear Paw came and left and Lane left and everybody left. Um, so, a lot of it was was me working by myself and they're doing that. Um, so I really enjoyed that, the round pole timber. I learned a ton with that.
1: So then, yeah, roundwood timber framing <clears throat> came with the balcony project as well as uh, the Willow Wonka project. Mm-hmm. And then there was some junk pole fence stuff, but most of the junk pole fence project was just getting the junk pole. Right. But uh, all of those things sound like they're very heavy in the actual building. The, the well project was a homesteading project, but it doesn't seem like something where <clears> – <throat> I guess what I'm shooting for is I'm trying to ask a question of like how much of your time was doing grunt work that you didn't want to do but somebody had to do it versus how much of your time was building experiences that were the kinds of experiences you were looking to build. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking like uh, uh, being in the boot camp program is kind of like being in a, a workshop of sorts. Mm-hmm. I mean, because your building experience is a lot of times you have a teacher that's quite, you know, that, that knows maybe not uh, a thousand times more than you, but at least, you know, three or four times as much as you. Um, and so, uh, I mean, there's going to be part of the bootcamp program is, is that it's like, okay, we there's jobs that have to be done that in, and it falls to the bootcamp.
2: camp. Yeah, um, it certainly wasn't a substantial portion of the time. I mean, you know, there was some like, okay, there's a bunch of bricks over there. And those bricks that are all stacked need to go from there to over there. Um, so then, you know, that's just uh, put the gloves on and and start piling bricks up and carrying them up to the trailer to move them from you know one area to another. So, but that wasn't a substantial portion of it by any means. There, there was especially as we we're getting closer to the uh, the PDC and it was kind of site cleanup time was when there was more of that. But um, yeah, I think at least my memory of it is the majority of my time was junk pulling and uh, the round pole, uh, working with the round, the poles.
1: Round wood timber framing. Yeah, and and so I'm gonna guess that like 10% to 15% was like grunt labor, like doesn't feel like a workshop, not even close. Um, sure. and, and then like, uh, 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 maybe, maybe another, uh, 15% of the time, it's like, well, if you stand on one leg and squink your right eye just right and tilt your head a little bit, it kind of looks like, you could call us a workshop, but it got done being a workshop about three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Does that sound about fair. So that means I'm a, you know more than half the time—well, more than half the time—it's like being at a workshop building some power mm-hmm. okay. okay, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm putting words into your mouth for reasons. <laughs> uh, no,
2: I agree with you. I, I mean. I, uh, I mean, I hadn't thought about it because this is just, you know, on the spot. But, um, yeah, I, I don't feel like I was doing just grunt things that didn't relate to anything. I feel like I learned from, from everything. Um, yeah, I think, like you say, I mean, you hit a point where it's like, okay, I'm, I've, I've learned it and yet we're still doing it. Um, but, <laughs> so there's not too much of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're trying to do wax on, wax up. It's, uh, it's wisdom. See, that's what it is. So Tuesday, what are your thoughts on this? But don't turn on your microphone.
3: I agree. I'd say about seventy-five, eighty percent of the time, it was feeling like I'm learning and doing something productive. I mean, perspective could change what you think is grunt work and what's not. There was definitely some hours where I was like, "Okay, I don't, I really just don't want to do this anymore." But you know, Fred's pretty good. He would let me go take a break and plant food for a few hours and then come back to it. So even when it felt like, oh, well, except for. Junk polling took a long time, but also like Cliff said, I really enjoyed being alone out there. Once I felt like I knew what I was doing, junk polling was productive, but also like some nice quiet time.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I, same, same kind of question, you know, uh, percentage of time that you felt like was, was grunty work, uh, and what percentage of time was kind of like workshop-esque?
3: I think 10 to 15 percent was a good range for grunt ish time. Um, I've, and then, you know, 70, 80% of the time was learning and doing, and I don't know, being productive, but not just like to keep things going, but actually, you know, moving forward kind of productivity.
1: So you got to do lots of uh, natural building kind of stuff and lots of um, permaculture stuff, planting. I mean, we got a video that's uh, it's got you and Michelle and Fred. I think you guys are planting sunchokes or something, or are you harvesting sunchokes?
3: We're harvesting them, harvesting. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And,
1: and then there's pictures of you guys, like, up on the roof of something, putting on the uh, the the, the uh, cedar yeah. shakes or shakes. That was my
3: first roof ever, and that was uh – one of those projects where at the beginning, I was like, I'm so excited. And then like two rows in, I was like, I think we should do something else for a little while so I don't hammer in my fingers on purpose. Because it was like the whole first two rows was just trying to figure it out. And then once we got a, a routine down, it was, you know, we knew what we were doing. So it was like bang, bang, bang. And um, I really enjoyed that. The roof was one of my highlights of the whole boot camp. All right. The three, three shake roof.
1: So I, I kind of feel like all three of you are, are are saying like yeah it was it was worth doing not not necessarily a bad thing. Yes. The the upsides outweighed the downsides. I mean the downsides were the grunty work.
3: Yeah, like there was some poop tasks that that felt like they took forever, but you know literal poop tasks. But also like there uh, yeah definitely it was worth it. And to get back to your first question I didn't get to answer is I saw the opportunity in your daily-ish email um, when I was still up in Canada. And it said, hey, we still have two work trade spots left for our PDC and ATC. And that's what I've been doing for the last almost five years. So I jumped right on that. And,
1: awesome. Yeah. And and I think right now we have three spots open for work trade for the PDC and ATC. Yeah. Um, and there's openings in the boot camp uh, right now. There's I think we've got three booths. So the whole boot camp program was put on hold until uh, February uh, one or two, something like that. But I think uh, boots are showing up in two days, and um, so but but we've got openings for that right now.
0: People- so for for people that are going to become boots, or thinking about becoming boots, what would you say your your daily? How would you describe like your average daily activity? What what happens? You wake up. In a cold tent
2: or what, what, what,
3: what? Uh, yeah, I woke up in a cold tent. I mean the first couple of days I had the the love shack or not the love Shack, the the red cabin uh, with lane. but then uh, we had visitors coming so I got booted out and uh, but I was happy to have the tent. I was happy to have my little space and uh, I was right up on top of the hill, so I wake up and there was still snow on the ground when I got there in April in the mornings, um, and it just kind of shake off the cold and convince myself that it's worth it to like put on all my layers and run down to the house so I can get some breakfast. That's, that's the beginning of the day for me. I mean, you guys, you were in the house for a while, right? And then you moved out the Yeah,
2: we were fortunately it was very kind of Paul and Jocelyn. Uh, we weren't planning on being in a house. We just we assumed we were going to be tenting it right off the bat. Um, but yeah, when we got there, it was still snowing every single day. It was really cold, and uh, so they said to take the room in the house because it has the double bunk beds in there anyway. So all five of us, the, Michelle and I and our three boys, were in there. Um, and then we did eventually uh, go out on when the various visitors started showing up. Um, into a tent out on the hillside up there and um, yeah it was still you know sub-zero not sub-zero but sub-freezing uh, overnight so I'd get up in the morning and because of our circumstances and, and me being the only one that was in the boot program I was we were, we were you know doing our own grocery shopping and, and cooking for ourselves so I'd get up in the morning and fire up our camp stove and cook oatmeal for for the boys and Michelle and then they'd be kind of waking up as I was walking down the hill to go start whatever projects we were working on um, so we had yeah. fun I mean it was a good great experience for us as a family just uh we had our little tent compound up there when when everybody started showing up at the PDC they were like okay those people have been here for a little <laughs> bit we had like three tents and tarps span between them I mean it was you know yeah, it was like a ponder compound. compound
0: it was like a base camp for some big hike that was about to happen
1: yep so I think normally what we do for boots is we say, uh, we're going to definitely provide you with a bunk. Um, and I mean, in the wintertime, that's so much more appealing. But for all of the bunks we have, that we have, we have different kinds of, uh, cleanliness standards. So if you stay in the red cabin or the love shack, it's like, those are part of the tour. So they have to be kept tour ready. And, um, I think a lot of boots prefer to stay in a tent when it's warmer because then they can, like, let it go, and they have their own private space, their own private mess. When they go there, they don't have to try and keep it clean. No one's ever going to come by and look at it. Uh, and when they're ready to go, they can just leave all their crap in there. And I don't know, did you guys set your tent on fire before going, or did you roll it and do a big wad and throw in the back of the truck?
2: Well, we, we continued living in it for, you know, cause we traveled around for several months after that. So we were, we were still living in the tent for a handful of months, but uh, we tried not to leave a mess
1: behind. I hope we didn't leave anything. But. I didn't see any mess. No, I, I, but the point being is that, uh, we do provide bunks to anybody, but we do have with the bunk, like, yeah. okay, uh, like if you're going to stay in the bunk room with three other people, then, um, it's not like one person can just destroy the space. You're living there with other people. Right. Um, uh, and so we have a certain, cleanliness requirements uh and and i think a lot of people would much rather have no cleanliness requirements and live in a tent
2: yeah Uh, i would definitely rather you know assuming that you've got a, a sleeping bag for whatever the temperature at night is i would rather be out in the tent than in one of the bunks yeah way more enjoyable
3: um Nice for the first few nights, and it was worth making my bed. But then, as I started wanting to sleep in closer and closer to breakfast time, <laughs> I was I was much happier to have my own space because, uh, like you said, I could just like roll out. <laughs> that, the,
1: uh, the daily schedule is. 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. is breakfast. Um, and, and actually we even break it down further than that. 7 a.m., people start okay. to cook breakfast, and by 7.50 a.m., everything should be all cleaned up and the day is beginning. Um, and, uh, uh, so yeah, if you, if you wait, then, um, you're probably not too terribly involved in the cooking, but hey, if Fred doesn't care, I don't care. Um, uh, and then it, uh, from 8 a.m. until noon, I believe, is worky-worky. And then uh, noon to 1 is lunch, clean up from lunch. One, 1 until 5 is worky-worky. And then after 5 is like, yeah, eat if you want. I don't care. Uh, now, one of the things we came up with, I think, after the PDC-ATC is we defined the term nest labor. Did you guys? I, th- I, I think that th- developed that term. Pardon?
3: I think we helped develop that term. We worked with Fred and kind of said like, "Yes, we're doing this much nest labor."
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: Of the week, yeah.
1: So it came up while you guys were there, um, and I think what like the, what's pre- presented now. In fact, Tuesday you had a lot of influence in changing it. It used to be like 48 hours a week, where we basically said that the on Saturday there was eight hours of like stuff, which is basically we, we renamed it to be forty hours a week of project labor and then four to eight hours a week of nest labor. And uh and part of that came from uh oh look okay Josiah is loading up the imagery. Um <clears throat> oh, look there's Michelle on Tuesday right there <laughs> so uh uh part of that came from like some I remember uh and I think it was after you guys and we had like you know, more deeply defined what nest labor was. And it's kind of like, okay, you guys want to go out into the gardens and, um, you know, harvest some potatoes. And it's like, uh, no, we only do that during project labor. You know, it's like, no, that's a nest labor thing. So um, I I think we actually got to go and add more to the list for nest labor um, for, for reasons. But uh, so that's uh, – so 5 days a week and it's going to be about 40 hours of project labor working on stuff and then there's going to be the 4 to 8 hours per week of, of nest labor which is basically like you know cleaning the common spaces a little bit um uh shoveling you know, like when there's snow a little bit of snow shoveling a little bit of I mean basically the things that you do when you live in a house you got to you got to care for stuff a little bit All right uh um so, Josiah, did, did we answer your question? I'm not sure. You're yeah. kind of like, what's a day look like kind of a thing or something like that? Yeah, I was curious just to hear it.
0: I mean, there's the of what your day looks like, but it's also good to hear what day <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. the mornings are totally different uh, perspective than the afternoon, right? So in the morning, you're groggy in the morning, you're tired, Um, you're waking up, you're, eat some food, now you got tons of energy, you go do a bunch of hard work, or, or learning work, depends on the day. And then lunch comes, and then you're like, I'm done for the day. (laughs) Or what? I mean, what, so then what, what's your feeling after lunch? Is it still an exciting atmosphere? Do you still want to go and continue the project, or just, it, it depends day by day?
2: I think that depends, like, person by person, too. Uh, you know, I think that kind of depends on just your natural work ethic. Some people, you know, they get halfway through the morning and they're ready to kick off, and other people just, you know, until whatever the project is, is done, they don't feel like they're done. So, um, yeah.
1: I, I think it's true. That we, we've seen a lot of different people come through. Um, probably for either the Gapper program or the Bootcamp program, um, a couple of hundred people. And and we've had um, a, a lot of people come through where they've got a very powerful work ethic and and it's like uh, uh, they're going to go way past 40 hours every week. Um, uh, and then we've had other people where everybody else has gone up on the hill to work at 8 a.m. And I'm seeing somebody in the kitchen at 10 a.m. And I say, what are you doing here? And, and then he's saying like, oh, yeah, I decided to not work today. Yeah, you know, and, and it's like, it's kind of like that almost every day with some people where it's like, okay, I guess my job is to be your mom and, you know, but <clears throat> those are more the exception than the rule. Most, most of the people who come out are looking to gain the, to build the experiences.
3: I'm really not a morning person. So for me, it was like. A thing just to get to breakfast on time and finish eating and get like not behind myself boys in line to wash my dishes so I could get done in time. <laughs> but, well, it's true, you know the plates I remember, but um, but it was still like well like nine o'clock by the time I was like starting to open my eyes. I'm like doing stuff until then after breakfast, but. It's not until I'm awake for a few hours, then I'm like, all right, now I can see what we're doing and what's the next step. And I'm happy to, like, work into the night just, like, if that's what the project needs. But uh, definitely, like, people avoided me in the morning, and that's just how my life. So, you know, <laughs> I think everybody was pretty considerate of that. And Fred never gave me too much uh, hard labor right off the bat because he knew it took me a few hours to kind of shake off the morning.
1: Oh, and, um, hey, shout-out for Fred.
3: Shout out for Fred. Fred was amazing. Uh, I learned so much from Fred the whole time I was there. Almost every day I feel like Fred showed me something new, and he was so great to communicate with that whenever I didn't understand why we were doing something, he would either realize he didn't know either or he would <laughs> tell me why. <laughs> and, and, you know, he didn't know either. Then it's like, well, we got to figure this out because otherwise we're not going to be able to move forward here. Like the the shingled roof, that was also his first cedar shake roof. Um, so we were like, all right, so how many inches this way and how many inches that way? And, and we were figuring it out together. Fred was amazing. was one of my best, like learning buddies, I think. And, uh, I, I know for sure, like some of the days I was just like too, cu- too tired or too cold. And if it wasn't to know, like Fred's smiling face was going to be there to greet me, that I probably wouldn't have gotten out of bed those days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Them.
2: He's a lot of fun to work alongside. He's such a, a laid-back guy; it's easy to get along with him. Um, and I, I think probably anyone, no matter your no matter your personality style, I mean, or type, you're probably going to be able to get along with Fred because he's just an easy person to get along with.
1: Yeah, I I think it's been great for me because it used to be that um, with people that had filled that role in the past, I would spend um, two to four hours every day. Having to rehash problems, and um, it seems like communication with Fred is a hundred times easier for me, and so I end up only talking to Fred maybe twenty minutes a day and um and it seems like Fred, I don't know, he's trying to understand uh, that seems to be like a big difference and um, and he gets it. he's like, I don't know, paying attention maybe uh, I'm not. But the, the the important thing is is that um, when there's a problem, Fred usually is like, "Oh, I can solve this problem." Whereas before, somebody would like to have to like, you know, drive down to see me and interrupt whatever I'm doing and have a an hour long conversation about how everything's the sky is falling. And, whereas Fred just kind of seems to be on top of it and takes care of stuff and when I talk to him about what to do, he's got suggestions right out of the box, so I don't even have to think about it. He's, he says, well, here's the problem, and here's what I think we ought to do about it. It's like, that seems good to me. And Short- for those that don't know, is Fred, what, what, what does Fred do? Um, Fred is the land manager, and uh, he's also uh, in charge of the boot camp program. Um, and uh, um, I don't know, Fred? Fred, kind of, for everything that's at Wheaton Labs, I would say that uh, Fred takes care of it all. Um, I mean, you know, there there are some things where we're trying to ramp up uh, some some programs, and we've got somebody assigned to that that's not Fred, but you know, they they work with Fred. Um, the the important thing is is that. Um, uh Fred Fred already knows a lot. Um uh Fred's got a lot of skills that he brings to the table in a lot of different ways, but uh anyway, I think I think that the thing is is that uh we've got a couple more things to talk about and then we gotta talk about the Kickstarter. And so I, i d I I'm thinking like I feel good that we've talked a lot about the boot camp program, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like Thanks thanks everybody. That was great. Anything else about the boot camp program? I'd
0: like to I'd like to get a uh, just a – what's the most memorable thing from, like, that you still remember every once in a while? What's the most memorable thing from your time as a boot at Pulse? Tuesday first.
3: I mean, like I said, definitely the roof. That was uh, high up on my list, as well as I think, uh, especially after the PDC and ATC, I feel like the networking that happened there. Uh, the people that I met and the connections that I made were just worth all of those days when I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Like, I could really use a hamburger right now. <laughs> and uh, the networking was just like that. That was the top, the top of it. And also, I'm Fred, to be honest, like Fred was essential to so many wonderful memories that I have. So, yeah.
0: And how about you, Michelle?
4: I was going to let Cliff go first <laughs> because, again, I feel like um, I wasn't involved very much with the the boots. But um, for me, it, re- it really was an awesome experience with my children, just seeing them run across the mountains and get to be involved in the little projects. And I know that's not something that Paul really wants to probably promote children there. Um, but it worked out really well for some reason with our, our boys overall. And um, just being able to be a part in a small way, just to at least get my hands wet with these different projects was fun for me.
0: And I will say that you have excellent children. Yeah. So I could see, uh,
1: well,
0: I could, I could see where there could be an issue with kids, but your kids were amazing. I thought.
1: Right. Nice. And I want to talk about the kids thing just real quick before Cliff says his piece and and that is that um, we've had kids here and it didn't work out we've had kids here where it did and um, and so basically with the boot camp program it's kind of like okay we got to feed you and house you and then there's just you know for you living here there's wear and tear on the place and uh, I've got hours and hours and hours with um, uh, Fred trying to figure out how do we get this system to work and whatnot. Um, and so the the big thing is is that um, when we when we run the math, it's like okay, we've got uh, with one person we've got one unit of uh of expenses, one unit of uh, uh, of providing for for a person, feeding them and and whatever else goes on, and then one unit of work. and then somebody we've had it happen where it's like uh, I, I think more than a dozen times people say, uh, that they want to bring one person in to provide one unit of work, but they're going to bring with them a spouse and three children. Uh, so it's like five units of using resources and one unit of work, and it's it's like I I don't see a way to get that to work. And so Cliff uh, came up with this thing of, of well he he understood my position and came up with the solution, you know, and 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 then. Then the next thing is, is like, okay, Cliff's gonna get here and is he a lying sack of shit? Uh, or, uh, is he gonna be true to his word? And as it turned out, it was awesome. It, it worked just great. The boys were very respectful and, um, and they did try to kill each other every couple of hours, but you know, that's what boys need to do. I was, I used to be a boy with brothers. <laughs> and, and that's, that's how it went down. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, uh, I, I thought it worked out really well. The, the, the boys did great. Um, uh, Michelle was great. Uh, uh, Cliff was great. It was all great, 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 great. It all worked. And I was, I'm was i glad that they came. Um, and at the same time, I've got stories to share about families that came, and it didn't work well. But I've got more stories to share, too, of families that came, and it worked fine. So Michelle's making the point of, like, I want to discourage families, and it's kind of like um, – I, I have to admit that when somebody says they're going to bring their family, that I start to get nervous because um, I've had fa- I've had experiences where it was a really awful experience, and I've I've had positive experiences as well. So anyway, anyway. Cliff, your turn. Uh,
2: well, I think my most you know my most positive memory is the is the balcony just because of the amount that I learned because I like building things, but that's not a type of construction I'd ever dealt with. So that I really, you know, there's a huge takeaway, but then I have one memory. It's, it was during March and Michelle and the boys had left for a week cause her mom came out. And so they were all there with their grandmother and, it was uh, it was a Saturday, which is usually the off day, but since they were gone, I was just like, well, I'm gonna just go junk pulling, and so I was all by myself up in the labs, and it was like, finally the weather was warming up, and it was this beautiful 40 degree morning, and it was so sunny, and I was chopping wood, so I had my shirt off, and it was just this like, wow, it's 40 degrees, but I've got no shirt on, and I'm in the middle of the mountains, and it's this is just phenomenal. So uh, I, I still have that that memory with me.
0: <laughs> Look, I'm a mountain man in Montana. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so next was the whole reason you guys were there, which was the PDC and ACC. What do, what do you want to cover with that, Paul?
1: I um, I don't know. I don't want to spend too, many, too much time on it because we've got to get onto the Kickstarter. But I guess the big thing is, of course, we're offering these two events again this year. Um, and I, for a PDC, of course, it's not like you've taken eight PDCs and you can rate this one on the eight, but, um, uh, but I think we did stick to the standard format for a PDC and we had not only a great instructor, but a list of really great guest instructors. Um, and so, uh, I guess this would go just to, to Cliff, uh, because Tuesday you, uh, your trade was for the ATC, right?
3: Yeah, I finished my work the right towards the end of the PDC, but it was for the ATC that I was there, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you saw the PDC happening, but you weren't the PDC. So That's Cliff, it. worth it taking the PDC? Yeah, definitely. I had taken two online PDCs
2: prior to that. One of them was lo- a Lawton PDC. And so th- this one uh, that uh, Tim Barker taught definitely was, yeah, the, the format was a, a typical PDC, but I, I think being in person at one is just such a whole nother world. It's it, it there's the, the networking with other people, but just, um, it's just so much more Im- immersive. Um, and, and it was a phenomenal experience. So, I, I mean, I, I put it way up there. It was great.
1: Yeah. I, I've always been a little baffled at the online PDCs, but I, I mean, I get it. A lot of people are so busy that it's going to be challenging to do, um, at the and, and, I don't know, ups and downs, ins and outs, but at the same time, when I took my PDC in 2005, an online PDC wasn't offered. And, um, when, when I got done with it, I felt like, uh, I went there to learn a certain thing, but I learned 20 times more than I thought I would. And it was all outside of the classroom, really. It was, you know, and I don't know how to express it really, but, but, uh, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed mine, and I, I hope that you know, in some way, to, I'm trying to recreate that wonderful experience that I had back in
2: 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, people use the term uh, drinking from a fire hose at the end of that two PDC, I was exhausted, um, you know, way more so than like the physical work we'd done during the boot program. Um, but there's just so much like mental engagement during that that two weeks and it's just like non stop, morning to tonight. I mean, it was like, in some ways it was longer, harder days. Um, but it, you know, it's phenomenal and you, you want more, but at the same time you're like just totally exhausted that I think I actually took off the first day of the ATC just to sleep in because I was like, <laughs> I, I have to have a break. I'm so, you know, I, I was overwhelmed. I'd been drinking from the fire hose.
1: You kind of get this idea. Like you're going to, you're thinking like, I'm going to take a day off in the middle of the PDC. Cause I'm just so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, you're like, but I can't take tomorrow off because Thomas Elpo will be here. Mm. And then I was going to, the I'm not going to take the day off after that. Oh, I can't do that because Helen Anato will be here. Mm. And it's like, I'll take the day after that, but I can't because, you know, and it goes on and on like that. Oh, it's like, no, that's the day that we're going to go and do that thing that was so cool. And I'm like, no, I, so you just can't take, and, and it's, and you're right, it's, it's too much. Of course, the evening stuff is all optional. And then at the same time, if you don't offer evening stuff, people feel like, you know what, There's we just sit around, <laughs> but yeah. we're all here, we want to learn things. So I it's like, uh, I think we did have uh, a couple of evenings where it's like, we're going to have nothing tonight, take the night off. And then everybody still got together and talked permaculture the whole night. Mm-hmm. So, well, not all night, but for hours. Yeah,
0: I think um, of all the PDCs uh, or on-site PDCs, yours is definitely like top tier, and a lot of that has to do with the type of people there are that, that you're engaging with, and it's just so exciting to, uh, to be around those people. But of course, I am very biased.) <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and for and a lot of PDCs in the United States, I understand, are, are quite purple. Um, I, I felt that this one was not purple at all. Um, I mean, there may have been a little bit of purple, but um, I don't even remember there being like music in the evenings. Were people playing music in the evenings, like around a campfire? Not um,
2: much of that. There was a, a few guys, one or two, that, that played the guitar. Uh, so like a Ken, who was... Kind of camping next to us, he'd sit up on kind of the top of like the little bluff there and and play in the evenings. But it wasn't like big everybody was there. That was kind of him just doing his thing, and we you know we'd hear it and enjoy it. But I think that
0: with how much information that happens at your PDC, it's like at the end of the day, everybody's like, all right, I gotta get sleep because tomorrow's gonna be another jam packed day of information. So there isn't a whole lot of like partying at night. Um, There's like a couple of days where you do it, where people do it, but but everybody's just so getting ready for the next days full of information.
1: I think we have a pretty good break system. And so like the breaks in the mid morning, I think are half an hour instead of like a lot of places, it's 15 minutes or less. Um, And the same with the afternoon. And then there's that, between the uh, the last session of the afternoon and dinner, I think we have this spot where there's like an hour where it gets kind of optionally. What's that?
3: It was, Tim called it tea time. It's,
1: it's time tea time. Eat. Okay. we
3: so will kind of hang out in there, but not really anything structured running. So if people weren't there, they weren't missing anything.
1: Right, right. So we tried to force breaks throughout the day. So people don't get too exhausted um, because it, it is a bit like drinking from the fire hose. And yet people still wanted more, um, which I think you kind of get more with tea time and the breaks and all that stuff um, as you're visiting with these people. But it's like you get to decide how much or how little you want. All right. All right. Uh, Cliff, the ATC. I enjoyed the ATC. I um
2: I think – I mean, I, I have a decent amount of building experience, so there was a little bit of that like, okay, I'm building something, but uh, like, I, kind of that similar with the boot, like where it's like, okay, I've, I've learned yet we're still building it. Um, and I think whereas for other people who didn't have as much building experience, they were way more into it. But I think what I was saying earlier about being exhausted from the PDC, I, I think contributed to my having a, a little bit of a harder time with the ATC because I was just – at that point, I was worn out, and I not just from the PDC, but just the total time and and everything. Uh, I mean, I I really enjoyed the ATC. Uh, you know, I think Tim Barker makes it phenomenal. Um, but um, yeah, I was tired. By that point,
1: I was tired. Well, you were also helping us get ready for the PDC, so right. you were working so it,
2: hard. It, it had been a long, long
1: stretch, yeah, several months up to the PDC, mm-hmm. uh, and and so uh you may have been more worn out than people who just showed up for the PDC mm-hmm. and the ATC. Like they, yeah,
2: like I, I, I think I had a little bit more of a feeling of like. During the ATC it was like, okay, you know, we're building the dehydrator or we're building the, the water heater or, you know, we're taking apart this rocket mass heater. And it was like, I want to, I want to see what's going on, but I'm going to stand here and y- you guys do it. <laughs> Cause I was just tired. <laughs> so I was and like, he, I, yeah.
4: He also had three boys that really wanted his attention yeah. at every off moment he had.
1: Yeah. There was that. I remember that. Yeah. So, uh, and then Tuesday, how did you feel about the ATC?
3: I agree that the time I got there I was tired, but the whole experience was more than I imagined for sure. I think the boot camp really helped me because um, especially like the saws and the power tools and stuff, I had no experience before boot camp with like putting those things into use in the right way and safety first with thread and all that. But... Um, so the boot camp really helped me prepare for the ATC. I feel like if I had just shown up at the ATC, I would have kind of not known where to put my hands and, like, what to do. So boot camp helped me, like, get comfortable not only with the space but the tools themselves so that by the time the ATC came around, I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that, or let me cut that for you. Um, besides welding. Welding I got to learn at the ATC, and that was super my highlight of the ATC in itself because... That was just super awesome. Um, And then, you know, getting to be able to not just learn how to weld and try and make things look nice, but also contribute, like put a little hinge here and stick something there. It's a little bit, but when you're learning, it's a lot. So I really enjoyed it.
1: Would you say that you think that you may have learned twice as much from the ATC with the boot camp than if you had just come to the ATC without the boot camp.
3: Most definitely yeah. I would say that. That's what I was trying to get at was that okay. I just showed up at the ATC. Um, because all of the things I've learned about permaculture were like Central American permaculture. So my this was like my first experience with permaculture in the US and, and also with community in the US that uh, I wasn't prepared for the environment or any of that. So definitely boot camp helped me settle in but also build my skills well enough that I could actually be helpful at the ATC, and I wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to watch you guys and pretend like I know what's going on. Like, I actually knew what was going on because I'd been in boot camp. And, yeah.
1: well, and, and then I guess when you, you were uh, being a boot during the PDC, yep. then, uh, then that was kind of grunty labor stuff. Um, um
3: just like community stuff though right because it felt more like okay we got to make sure that you know food's coming down on time and that there's coffee in there and I know that there was tasks for people in the PDC to do to help with that community stuff but you know still you got to make sure all the toilets have toilet paper and all that kind of little things that um because I had experience already community living it that kind of felt like this is some downtime where I'll be okay (laughs) you know I could chill out now
1: All right. Anything else about the ATC or the PDC?
4: Well, I was just going to say that this isn't really about the ATC or PDC but Tuesday reminded me um, I just want to say that Fred was really patient and he was great with teaching on how to use tools there were a couple of times where it would have been a whole lot faster if he just did it but he showed me how to use the tool and he was patient as I learned and kind of fumbled my way through the project <laughs> but there, you know still like helping me to complete it and do it
0: I can't believe Fred is a snap daily. He He's got so many people asking him like where are things and I, you know, all these questions non stop and he just takes it like oh yeah, yeah, no problem, it's right over here. Yeah. But he's got some kind of anything, Zen thing
1: going on. Yeah, yeah. I he's got a he's got some kind of Zen thing going on and yeah, I think most people wouldn't be able to do what what Fred does. Uh it's it's uh it's It's amazing. It's an amazing thing to see. Just to see Fred in action. So during the
0: uh, PDC, ATC, I was there like helping with the filming and and things like that. Um, And that's where I saw Cliff and Cliff do, uh, he was doing some drone footage and did some video editing and stuff like that. And I'm seeing this family, this great family. That's uh, it's wonderful kids, extremely intelligent, um, and it got me really excited, and I was like, you know, I, I've been planning and I'm so we started talking about the tour, this tour that I've been planning, it was called the Perma Burn Tour, which was me going across the United States to all of these sustainable educational places and um, different farms and different prepper places and things like that to, to film those locations, what those people had to offer in the course. Uh, and courses from each of those places, and um, and it hit me like this family would be perfect um, for at least for the east coast side of this tour, and uh, and so we got to talking and we decided to do it, and that's how we got into Kickstarter. So how do you like that segue, Paul?
1: I, that was that was smooth. I <laughs> gotta say though, just because you come to our PDC does not guarantee that you get to have all kinds of opportunities like this. <laughs> but right. it's been known to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, so we go into this Kickstarter. We decided we all right. We got to get this thing funded. There's a lot that has that goes into getting a. a uh, this tour started, and I, I kind of think of it. And I did this in a newsletter. It, what came to my mind is something I enjoy very much in history is the Lewis and Clark, the Corpse of Discovery um, expedition, and uh, and it reminded me a lot of that. Like, all right, first we got to get funded. We got to get all the gear, all this stuff, all the canoes and the, <laughs> everything we need for this giant, uh, this giant tour across the country. And that's where the biggest expenses came from. Now, uh, Lewis and Clark had the benefit of being able to get tax money to pay for that. Um, and we don't. So we are reaching out to the community, to the world saying, all right, here's what we want to do. We want to take this family, send them off to all of these farms, these prepper locations, these um, preparedness, survivable, um, sustainable places that are awesome, um, that some of them are very extremely popular and well-known, others are not well-known but are really cool, Um, and we want to send them there so that they can do a couple of things. The first thing is about the family, right? Some people really want that family um, aspect and, and seeing what the family does in their experiences, especially, I think, with the Ponder family. These kids are amazing kids, um, extremely fun and engaging to watch. Uh, they're extremely smart. They're homeschooled, uh, which is probably why they're so smart and well-behaved. Um, and, uh, and that's just going to be a, sh- a ton of fun. Uh, to watch. And so part of it is that experience, watching the kids, uh, the whole family, the parents and the kids working together um, to go on this huge expedition to all these different locations, learn a ton, things like that. So there's one DVD documentary right there. Plus, there's also you guys are starting a YouTube channel so that they can get even more information that's just going to be on the DVD. It's like, all right, here's our daily videos of the crazy crap that happened today. Um, and so there's a, a YouTube channel for that. The next thing is the documentary of each uh, state. So we're doing a DVD for each state that we go to in the tour. Now, the first Kickstarter is to get us funded for the big first stuff we need, like – a camper, a trailer that can, uh, that can house the Ponder family, all the filming equipment, all of the, uh, editing. Uh, there's a ton that goes into it. So this first Kickstarter is, um, uh, is going to be the most expensive one, uh, to get us going. And it's for th- three states. We're starting with three states. And then after this Kickstarter, uh if it if all goes well it gets funded, uh we'll have a more Kickstarters for the next three states, the next three states, on and on, uh to keep the tour going. And uh, and I'm super excited for it. So anyway, uh the so the next documentary that you get is one from each state. There's a DVD for each state with the with, with the farms or, or the different locations that they go to, all the information or experiences of those farms, the tours of the farms, uh things like that. Then there is also the quick win courses. So each location that we go to, or that Cliff and the Ponders go to, and maybe other teams as we expand and things like that. But each location we go to, they're teaching a course the camera so Cliff and the ponders are filming all of this and sending it off to us for editing but it's going to be each location actually teaching a course on something specific or special that they do or have a great deal of knowledge in Um, and so that's that's a huge thing for us for Permi Ethos because that was the whole point of the PermaBurn Burn tour originally was to go to all these locations and find instructors and um, because we do online educational courses, that's our big thing, and uh, and we want to find all the best instructors we can, and so this really helps us do that in that. Each location is going to be teaching something. Not only do we get to see their teaching method, um, what they're teaching, how engaging they are, um, and what kind of, you know, feedback we get from you guys, but you guys get to experience that too and determine, uh, Oh oh, man, I remember seeing that quick one course. Now he's got a full on course, you know, that's, that's hours and, you know, maybe 40 hours long or whatever. Um, and, and, you know or get a much better feeling for what that person is all about, uh, what their teaching method is, if you're going to really enjoy uh, learning from them. So that's that's one of the great things for me. So there's three states, which means we're going to have between 9 and 12 courses uh, for this first Kickstarter, for the first three states, and hopefully every three states will have between 9 and 12 courses to go along with it. So that's once you all start adding it all up, that is a lot of courses and a lot of information from a lot of different people. And that's what the Kickstarter is all about, I would say. What do you think? Uh, what do you, what do you have to say, Cliff and Michelle? What do you guys think about yeah,
2: it? Yeah. Well, so, it, you know, it was towards the end of the ATC when you mentioned, you told us about it at the Permoran Tour at the time was what it was called. And then towards the end, you said like, Hey, why don't we, you know, think about being involved in it? Um, and so when we were, you know, we talking amongst ourselves to decide if that was something we wanted to be part of the, the thing that appealed to us was the concept of all of these courses being developed. Um, that was kind of, that was the big draw for us was the notion of there'd be this database of courses, this compilation of all this knowledge. Um, so that was, I mean, that, that was the big sell for us for wanting to be involved with it. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, future Kickstarters. I just wanted to say that you kind of touched on that this first one has the upfront costs. So future projects are going to be a tiny fraction of what this first one is. The first one bears the, the, all those upfront
3: costs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, the big funding for the project. The the rest of it is going to be um, things like keep, keeping the fuel, the fuel going, the food going, maintenance going, stuff like that. Um, But we don't have to buy all the camera equipment and everything every time we do, uh, three states. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be, uh, much less expensive to do future ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is that big upfront cost and we got to get through it, uh, to be able to do this. And so that's what this Kickstarter is for. That's why it's, um, such a high price, um, to get funded. So we do need your help, but guys, if you can do and can help, or at least um, if another big way to help is to share it with your friends and family um, and get people amped up and excited about it. If we get this thing funded, there's just a ton in our future um, and, and what we can provide for you guys, a uh, ton of content materials. So I really do hope you will come on board and uh, help us out with the Kickstarter.
1: I think a big thing out of all of this is is that do people want to have courses where it's like one tenth the cost? Because it seems like you guys are offering these courses for a tiny fraction of the cost of what they normally go for, and it's kind of like okay, to pull that off, you know, we just need quite a few people to do it, and and it's so so everything is kind of set up to be like really inexpensive, and uh, and we're trying to find ways to to Budget it all out and work for like you know a low price kind of a thing, as opposed yeah. to like here's the same course for a thousand dollars kind of a thing. I think uh, we've got it set up so it's 140 bucks, and that includes the not only a like a bunch of DVDs about um, each like a DVD for each state plus an additional a bonus DVD, plus the courses. Uh, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. I, I think it's made out to be a, a really sweet, sweet deal. And the way that you pull it off is that you get like several hundred people who who jump in on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. Like we go. We're definitely going into the the red here as far as what we're providing um but that's to get us started that's the big sacrifice to get this thing going uh yeah 60 bucks if you are donate six dollars or more you get access to the microcourses which is nothing i mean we're gonna be uh we'll have those microcourses up for sale um and certainly won't be just for 60 bucks so okay so it's not only for 60 bucks you're getting all of the you're getting the three state uh DVDs, so a DVD for each state—Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee—and you're getting the Ponders Family DVD, and you're getting all of the micro courses, um, all for on HD streaming. So, yeah, it's a huge, huge value, uh, just just for sixty bucks.
1: All right, so sixty dollars is the one where it's all digital, okay. Yep. yep. And then why was I thinking one hundred and forty? One hundred and forty. Oh, it's mm-hmm. where you get a whole bunch of other stuff. You get your name in the things, and you get. Yeah, okay. All right. You get physical DVDs. It's all fancy. Yeah, Yeah,
0: you get a ton. I mean, the, the, the rewards are amazing. And a lot of this has to do with Paul. Paul really helped with this. Um, the, the higher up you go, the crazier amount of stuff you get. There's just a ton of stuff to, to get in this. For a buck, you get a ton of stuff. Just one dollar. Throw in one dollar and you get documentaries. You get, uh, uh, the understanding homeschooling quick win course that cliff and michelle are, are doing you get the permaculture playing cards and pdf for ebook uh you get a ton of podcasts you get a bunch of stuff just for a buck totally worth it
1: all right so for the people that are my pod people that are going to be listening to this podcast i i i kind of feel like there's a lot of people that have kickstarters and um and i do support their kickstarter but i i don't I don't put too much behind it. Um, <clears throat> usually because they're doing something that seems interesting and I don't really know them. Um, and sometimes I find out later that they did a poor job. Like there have been some permaculture related Kickstarters where the people took the money and they split and they never came back. Um, but here I think an important thing is, is that uh, this is Cliff and Michelle and Josiah And, uh, so Cliff and Michelle have donated, effectively donated months of their life to my projects here at Wheaton Labs. And Josiah has donated months of his life. I mean, he's the guy that when the, when the uh, podcast broke, uh, many years ago, like five years ago, Josiah is the guy who came and fixed it. And, uh, and then he overhauled all of our podcast stuff so it's far more reliable. And that was many, many years ago. And uh, Josiah also stepped in uh, for my for my Kickstarter. We we had that uh, live streaming Kickstarter, and we had a bunch of technical difficulties. And Josiah stepped in and fixed a bunch of stuff. He also tried. You probably got a month of effort just into trying to get us a better internet connection, which never did pan out because those guys were such comedians. And I was like, Well, it'll be Monday for sure, and by Monday we mean never. Wow. <laughs> You know, Monday. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, I guess the point I'm trying to make is is that here are three people that have put in a mountain of stuff where they've donated their time and effort, proven themselves to be uh, awesome folks, and now they're doing a Kickstarter. And not only are they doing a Kickstarter, but they're trying to make it super, super cheap and easy for folks. And so I'm just kind of like... So I've I've put in like I don't know what have I got in here like 15 15 hours on this so far, um, helping to get it all set up and and whatnot. But all right, so how do they find your Kickstarter, Josiah?
0: Well, Paul, head over to Kickstarter and search for the Farm and Sustainability Tour, and and it'll come up. Uh, or just Farm and Sustainability, or just search Permaculture, and we're the first thing that comes up. Okay. Uh, as, as the, uh, active, active campaigns that are going. Alright.
1: And, if, you know, and we try to put out announcements about whatever, what new updates there are on the dailyish email. And we've got a huge thread about it out at Permies. All the things. Yeah. Alright. So wow. it's, uh, what are the states? It's, it's Georgia, Tennessee. Kentucky. Kentucky. And Kentucky. Alright. And yeah those are the first
0: three states that we're hitting um that that kicks off the tour um as you can imagine there's uh hundreds and hundreds of places to go <laughs> it's it's well the tour could go on for many years i think um so there's a ton to ton to bring to everybody and, and we're really excited about it
1: so the people that so support
0: my questions. Any, if you guys have any questions, go ahead and type them in the chat, and we'll get to them. The right. first one is, uh, what? what
1: do you well, just for? real quick, Well, the thing I want to say, I'm going to read that, and I, I'm thinking that I want to just say for my pod people, uh, the people that that support my Patreon thing, I'm a Bob, get a magic link to this event, which we do Tuesdays at two. Um, and uh in fact it's kind of funny cuz we do this Tuesdays at 2 and Tuesdays here uh yeah hi tuesday and it's 2 <laughs> and so uh um, oh yeah and then there's two ponder's okay i get it <laughs> and so then uh but anyway uh they get they get the special magic link and then uh, also if if you're part of Josiah's team uh that are part of the permit permit Perma- ethos stuff then you get you also get that same magic link uh and then you get to, for every, every time we do this, then you get to type in, uh, rude comments or, uh, sometimes questions or whatever that influence the way this discussion goes. So at the moment, Manfred's written any possibility to use the Great American Farm Tour bus from Justin Rhodes. That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, we, I mean, the biggest expense in this, uh, tour to get us going is to find a rv that works that can house the whole family and all the filming equipment and all of that uh yeah it would be great to to be able to use their i mean we've uh, heard other people that are saying they're selling their rvs things like that um if if we can get one donated that would we could drop the kickstarter down to like a very little that would be awesome (laughs) Um, I contacted Justin and asked about the bus and did not get a response. So I don't know, maybe it's nostalgic and maybe they want to hold on to it. I don't know. I don't know, um, what's going on with that. But if you guys have any other ideas for RVs, we are definitely open to, uh, to hearing those.
1: I contacted Justin. Uh, I I sent him an email. Uh, he usually responds fairly quickly to me. Uh, and I asked him about, you know, a little support for this Kickstarter. I haven't heard back. Um, but Justin's great. I, I suspect, not, I, I don't know, my expectation is for whatever we ask, Justin will be awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, Justin's awesome. Uh, we got a lot of feedback, uh, from people saying, isn't this just what justin rhodes did aren't you just copying what he did and so uh big part i think i hope we address that uh in that it isn't the same thing yeah there are similarities uh there's a family going to a bunch of different farms and and things i i think that's where it ends there's so much more to the project and and there's similarities and differences um
1: i think a big point in this one is all the classes with uh, each of the farmers and so then at, like for example after three months it's possible that you're gonna have twelve farmers with twelve classes and then you'll have twelve opportunities to be in a class and visit with these people that are experts so um, not just getting this information but getting this information from twelve different angles uh, and and uh, uh, it'll be a professionally put together uh, a course, uh, you know, complete with the interaction ability—the ability to be able to ask questions through the course.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the uh, if you're taking one of our courses, for those that haven't taken a Permuethos course yet, it's it's as we try to get it as as engaging and interactive as possible. So you have the base material, the course material, what's being taught from the instructors, and then we also have live events where you can get on, um, and just like we're doing now. And speak with the instructor, ask them questions, um, and then beyond that, there's also chat and uh, there's all kinds. Of, I mean, it depends on the course, but oftentimes there's lots of documentation that goes with it, example documentation or designs, things like that. Um, so you get a ton of information, and you get to be in a community with all of the other people that are interested in that course um, talking with them and, and sharing your ideas with them so yeah the the, the courses are they're, they're meant to be extremely engaging um, a lot of people think okay it's just a Documentary, or, you know, it's just a video that I'm gonna get on how to, like a how-to video. No, that's not the case. There's a, there's a lot, a great deal more that goes into it. And yeah, For just these first, this first Kickstarter, just the first three states, nine to twelve different experts, uh, in those fields, you have access to them to ask your questions. Uh, that's huge value. Well, people pay thousands and thousands of dollars for that kind of stuff
1: i put a lot of my stuff into a lot of different levels. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast and there's some of my stuff you want and you don't have it, um, I think it's made pretty damn cheap as part of the packages here. I'm trying to, you know, bait you into supporting this Kickstarter. So, uh, all right. Anything else?
0: I think that'll do it. We're definitely over. We're about 20 minutes over. Okay, so was, uh, in that fun with this one today.
1: Where we talk to the people with special access now. We go and we answer their questions and visit with them. Yeah, well.
0: yep, we're going to stick around. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter or a Permethos customer and you're in on the live chat, you get to stick around and bullshit with us. Uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff off the air, but that's what we're doing now. We're going off the air, so we'll see everybody next week. Thanks. Bye. See so, ya. Yeah. Don't
1: forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for
3: future artifacts.